Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Hey, welcome to the Bible Reading Plan. Before we jump in, we're gonna, uh, I just want to explain something. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be reading all five of the scripture passages together today for the whole week. And the reason is that I want to help us get a broader um, perspective. Because some people who are doing the Bible reading plan are saying, it just seems so random. We're jumping around from passage to passage. What's the deal? Well, these passages are part of the church calendar. And right now we're in the season of Epiphany, and that means that's the season after Christmas and before Lent, when we are focusing on Jesus as the King who has come into the world to proclaim the gospel, and it's a light to the Gentiles. So we're talking about what that gospel looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like, who Jesus is, um, not just for um, the Israelites, but for the entire world, the Gentiles. So I'm going to start off. Uh, we're we're going to just read through these passages. Jesse is with me today, Jesse Like, and we're going to be uh, talking through, we're going to be reading through each of the passages and then offering just brief comments after each one to kind of talk about what's standing out to us, um, what's God saying to us, and what's a way that we can put this into action. So let's start off with Isaiah 58. Um, should I read this one this time? Sure. All right, cool. This is our second take, so hopefully it's our final take. Here it is, Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look. You serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you only fast to quarrel and, and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. When you shall call, and the Lord will answer, you shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. 
Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. So Jesse, what's getting your attention about this passage real briefly? Oh, I think the, the big theme that gets my attention is that of God's interest in justice, um, or in injustice, really, and in his people responding to injustice um, is really, I, I think, so central to what, what we're reading here. Yeah. Right now the elders are in a season of fasting, and so I feel like this really speaks to us where God is saying, if you're going to fast... If you're going to practice spiritual disciplines, if you're going to worship, if you're going to gather as a church, if you're going to do anything religious, um, here's what I really want you to do. Here's what I really want you to be about. I don't really want, quote-unquote, spiritualized people. I want people. Yeah, I don't necessarily want rituals. I I don't care about the show. I want to see that my people care about one another and are interested in doing for others what I have done for them. So that's what that's what um, speaks to me, and this promise at the end, like if you do that, you will justice will be given to you too. You'll you'll be healed, and your needs will be met, and and your life will be abundant. And oh I, man, I love that. Like if you were people of Israel, the idea of a, a spring of water in the desert that never runs dry. How beautiful would that promise be? Yeah, that's great. All, All right, right, we're gonna you take Psalm one twelve. Yep. All right, so Tuesday's reading is Psalm 112, and it says this. It says, Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commands. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. They, raise, they rise in the, as, in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious and merciful and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved, and they will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They will have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. So for me, the first thing that I'm impressed by is the way that this psalm speaks to the scarcity mentality that we've talked about. The the ability to distribute freely is inhibited by our scarcity mindset that says, if I distribute freely, who's where what's going to happen to me? Am yeah, I will I have be, enough? Am I going to have enough? Exactly. And so I love the contrast between the beginning of the psalm, which says wealth and riches are in the houses of the righteous, to the end where it says the righteous, the righteous distribute freely, and um, and other people are are filled because of them too. And so, so just seeing that you know the generosity comes full circle. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's tied to fear, right? Yep. There's a lot of talk of like fearing the Lord at the beginning, but then not fearing things of the world in the middle of this um, when it talks about giving freely. And I think we're often, I'm often get that backwards. I have less fear of God than I should, and I have more fear of um, 
things of the world than I probably yeah. probably should. So I think that's those two things I think tie together interestingly. I also I mean I also see fear in the very last verse. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. Their desire of the wicked comes to nothing. That that uh, statement says other other people when they see you're generous like that, other people are going to angry with you. And there's a temptation to give into that fear as well, which I think is really interesting. All right, I'm going to go for 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 16. Perfect. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet among the mature who do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or rulers of this age, we are doomed to perish. But if we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages of our glory, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. In these things, God God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For what human being knows, for what human being knows what is truly human, except the human spirit that is within. So, also, no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them, and they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Those who are spiritual discern all things, and they themselves are subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord as so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Initial thoughts, Jesse. Well, the first half of it just, I think, really speaks back to what we've been wrestling with in the other two passages, that, that God's not as interested in our eloquence or our show or what we can put on, but interested in the overflow of our heart being... Um, engagement with the world um, mm-hmm. and in reconciliation you know a demonstration that he Paul doesn't he says he doesn't come or speak with a proclamation with like fancy words or wisdom but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power mm-hmm. um, so that immediately kind of jumped out at me yeah me too and I was I would not have seen this passage this way had it not had we not read the first two passages but the first two passages are speaking much more of um, like wealth and resources being distributed. Mm-hmm. This seems like it's there's a similar thing going on, but almost like a spiritual resource that Paul is passing on to people. The power, the power of the Spirit that he's giving to them, a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And he's saying, basically, I give that freely of myself. I, I, uh, you know, and, and the world doesn't understand it. The, just like the wicked kind of laughs at, you know, the, the righteous giving their wealth to other people. That's foolishness. But in the same way, people will laugh at, at Paul for 
demonstrating the Spirit's power for not being, you know, uh, eloquent or whatever, but instead giving his giving the demonstration of the Spirit and the power toward the people, to the people to be able to be shared. So he's raising the level of spirituality, true spirituality, with the people he's talking to by giving out of what God's given to him. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. He's giving freely. Should we take a look at Thursday's reading? Yes, we should. Matthew 5. This is verses 13 through 20. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can it be saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled on underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on, a, on the lampstand, and it gives light to the all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, no one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. These are some hard hard words from Jesus. <laughs> kind of make your gut fall a little. That, that last line... Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, most people thought of the scribes and Pharisees as extremely righteous, mm-hmm. as upholding the law. And Jesus is kind of saying, you got to do more than them. That seems like it's impossible. But it's almost like he's turning it upside down a little bit to say they've actually gone in the wrong direction. Um, and they're, they've misinterpreted the law. Um, so I don't know, that, that's one thing that, that kind of stood out to me. I think as we read this in light of what we've just read and what God's justice and righteousness is all about, it starts to help you understand what Jesus might be saying. Like mm-hmm. the Pharisees are, are ritualizing and making religious tradition out of the law, but the righteousness that Jesus is calling us to is one of action and investment and uh, incarnation mm-hmm. in the world to bring restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. So I wonder, it makes me think a lot about that. Okay, the salt of the earth, just a little contextual thing. I don't know if you knew this, but um, the salt of the earth that they're talking about is uh, fertilizer. So uh, when they would plant their crops, after a number of crops would go through, the the ground would would lose its salt. Um, I think it's potassium or something like that. And then they would take salty ground. It'd be like, it's not like table salt like we have. It'd be like... uh, a bunch of salty ground, almost like peat or something like that, and then they they till it into mm. the fields. And um, what they would do is they keep it in a stack in the back of their barn or whatever, a big stack of looks like dirt, but it's salty dirt. And if there were lots of rains, it would rinse that dirt of all the salt. So that's what they're talking about. If it's if it's lost its taste, if it's lost its saltiness, how can you can't get that salt back into the dirt? It's not good for anything. But we're just going to throw it out and trample mm-hmm. it. Like it's not, it's just dirt. And for me, it's the image of, okay, if I'm salt, that means I'm intended to be tilled into the land. I mean, like I'm intended to be sent 
to be a fertilizer, you know, to be something mm. that promotes the growth of other things. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just a, I don't know what that means, but I think it's just an interesting little, little, uh, helps me unpack that passage a little bit more. Okay. Uh, who's doing this one? Uh, last one. Is that me? Yeah. Why don't you read James right, to I'll us? I'll do James. James three thirteen through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Hmm. What do you think? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. I know that one stands out to me. I'm still wrestling with yeah. why. I, you know, just picking up from the, the fertilizer image, mm-hmm. um, that brings back this this crop picture of of being able like sowing mm-hmm. sowing peace um, and uh, sown in peace and then who that you harvest righteousness which is kind of what we're talking about with the the psalm and the Isaiah passage this and even even Paul and Corinthians like what like being able to give generously to sow generously and then reap generously mm. and and how there's that abundance of justice yeah that in in the economy of god like there is enough and as we give we understand that we're given enough yeah um not like a wealth gospel but like we're provided for mm-hmm. you you participate in the abundance of god and also the wisdom the word wisdom comes up mm-hmm. a couple of times which is what paul was talking about i didn't I didn't preach worldly wisdom, but heavenly wisdom. Right. And that comes in here, too. And James does a great job of just putting them right next to each other, um, like juxtaposing these two kinds of wisdom, saying, I want you to be people who are, you know, that live a good life and that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom, like heavenly wisdom. So So if you were going to try to tie these five different passages together in a couple themes, um, what's a theme or two that come to mind for you that kind of we see running through all of these scriptures from so many years of writing different authors different time periods different contexts yeah i i think of what we just talked about the the two kinds of wisdom Mm -hmm. um i think that's a that's a huge those are that's a theme is what kind of wisdom are we living in versus you know and if we live in one wisdom it's going to be foolishness to the other if we live in the other wisdom it'll be foolishness to the other so if we live in wisdom of God the world will think it's foolish um, and then the other thing was the scarcity mm. thing the scarcity versus abundance am I do I have a scarcity mindset about my life and about the justice of God that I'm gonna hold on to and retain my own resources whether it be spiritual resources or physical resources or am I participating in God's abundance and in, in giving those things away and trusting for my needs to be met yeah. How about you? Any, I think any in you? addition to those, um, I just see in a lot of these passages this contrast between um, our tendency as humans to turn our relationship with God into rituals and um, yeah. sp- like spiritual acts yeah. and, and things versus 
um, God's desire for our lives to overflow um, in righteousness and, and, and addressing injustice, um, and that it comes from a place of receiving, not of trying to do or give anything necessarily, mm-hmm. but of God's provided and I'm going to generously pass on. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of just tension of where's my heart? Yeah, and um, a gut check, like you just said, to the Pharisees in the Matthew passage and to the, the wicked in the Psalm. And in the Isaiah passage, to the people at whole. The religious people. Yeah. The people who are, who are fasting, the fasting people. Yeah. Oftentimes our religious actions are not religious. They are, they are hoarding what we have and it's refusing to participate in the generosity of God. Yeah, it's, it definitely great. makes you reflect on your own heart. Yes. Well, thanks, Jesse. That was really fun. Thanks for going through that. So I hope that if you're listening to this, wherever you are, that as you engage these scriptures this week, just having some conversation around them helps you hear from God and helps you um, put the word into practice. And may we all, uh, may all of our righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.